Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to our message this morning. Uh, this is like the third time that I've recorded this uh, message. I am just really wrestling with it. And I'm wrestling with the story that we're going to be going through because I think, frankly, it's something that I'm wrestling with, too. Can I trust God to provide for me? It's probably the most ongoing challenge that I've had in my journey of faith. To know that God has me in his hands that my story belongs to him. You see, I've had some tough stuff happen in my in my life, uh, and some of those little stories have gotten into my head that maybe God doesn't provide. Maybe God isn't good. Maybe God doesn't have my back. Uh, but then I have some other great stories of God having done something really, really good in the morning, and then by the afternoon, I'm angry about something else. So I don't even trust my own ability to see if God does do something good because 20 minutes later I'm mad about something else. I'm so fickle. I'm silly. I don't like that about myself. But I can't pay attention to the ways that God is doing something good in my life. And so sometimes I confess I turn to things in my own mind and the way I see something hoping to create some more stability. Hoping to set up things in my own life and my own heart that, uh, that actually in the end turn my imagination away from God towards things that I can imagine give me some structure that I believe that God can't give me. Well, just as I get down on myself for thinking all these things and wondering if God really does care for Preston, if God then by extension really does care for my neighborhood and my city or even my church in this pandemic, I sit there and I wonder and then I find myself sitting in the Word of God again and I meet people in the Word of God people in God's story who God is faithful to. And the faithfulness that God provides is actually pretty pretty remarkable. And so this morning, I'm just going to be really honest and tender with you and tender with myself as we take a look at a person who had this one-on-one relationship with God and who God did provide for and who God provided for in some really mysterious and interesting ways. So this is part of our sermon series, One on One, where we take a look at God's personal per, personal meeting of people in the Bible and then try to pay attention to the ways that God is maybe meeting us and then take a look at what this might mean for how we meet others in a one-on-one kind of way. So I'm going to pray and trust that God is speaking into our morning together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can see ourselves in the story. Thank you that you draw us in and show us your face and show us how you are meeting us even now. So come, Lord Jesus. Amen. So let's take a look at this story and hopefully as we unpack it, uh, maybe I will even find some uh, healing in it together as we wrestle together. And I hope that it's uh, meaningful for you too. I think that there's so much going on here and I, I, in some ways, I don't even know where to, where to, to, to begin. 
the backstory. We're taking a look in 1 Kings uh, 16 and 17. It goes on into, into 18 and beyond, but we're going to be narrowing it down to, to the beginning here. Uh, the story goes that there's this uh, king, and he's serving another god. He isn't serving the god of Israel. He's supposed to be serving the god of Israel. He's the king of Israel. But 50 years after David and the kings that are coming about, they are terrible. They're serving this god named Baal. Now, Baal, he's he is the god of rain. He's the god of weather, the god of storms. He's a local god that the local Canaanites serve. And this serving this God has led people to do some less than good things. They are forgetting about the poor and the widow. They are uh, they are doing really damaging things in society. But even their worship can be very damaging. These are very uh, worshiping ball required quite a bit of effort, and the effort was often required. In some places, they would kill their own children in order to maybe get God get this god ball to give them rain it was a transactional relationship it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship these gods were vindictive they would fight amongst themselves and the fallout was amongst humans and so the god of rain would fight the god of the ocean and if the god of the ocean wasn't happy he might take over your ship all this stuff so that it was it was really serving these gods was not good and in the book of kings is kind of wrestling over the way that serving these gods was damaging to these kings and to the people. And the whole book is trying to draw people back and say, serve God who loves you, who wants a meaningful one-on-one -on -one relationship with you, and who provides and cares for his people. Don't let your eyes be distracted by anybody or anything that can draw you away from the God who made you and loves you. And yet these people over and over again, for a whole variety of reasons, are drawn away. And so the story narrows down into a moment where Elijah has to go to this king Ahab and say to him uh, and give him a sermon. It's a one-on-one, -on -one, a one-on-one -on -one between a prophet of God and Ahab. And this is his sermon. It's, it's like the shortest sermon in the Bible. I think it's like 17 words in Hebrew. And this is the sermon that he gives. Now, Elijah the Tishbite uh, from Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, this is his grand sermon, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Amen. Sermon over. Done. There isn't going to be any rain. Now, if you are serving the god Baal, the god of rain, and a, and this prophet Elijah comes out of the blue and says, there's going to be no more rain. You're serving this God, but he isn't going to come through. That God over there, that's a fake God. That's a fantasy God. That's a that's a that's an empty cistern God. You aren't going to find any rain there. You're only going to get a mouthful of dust. And you can imagine Ahab going, What? He's mad. And so the story goes on that uh, Elijah has to flee. He's given this really kind of bad news. It's pretty much a direct slap in the face of Baal and Baal's religion. And so he has to be on the run. And this is what it says. 1 Kings 17. Now the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here and turn eastward to hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. 
Elijah is on the run, but he finds himself in this nest of God's care by a brook where there's going to be some water provided for him. And then, interestingly, what comes out of the blue? Ravens? <laughs> there's this really beautiful picture that I found. It is uh, a picture of Elijah being fed by some ravens uh, in this wilderness place. These ravens come and they bring bread. Now, I don't know where these ravens were stealing bread from, but the internet's full of these amazing videos of ravens and crows. They're, they're pretty smart, and uh, they have a way of uh, taking, uh, taking one thing and working out a puzzle. Uh, but these ravens are now taking bread from somewhere, presumably, and bringing them to, uh, to Elijah and providing for him. He has food and he has water. He's being taken care of. You see, the god Baal, he does not take care. In fact, the prophets of Baal, they end up having to do, they end up having to cut themselves and do all these really self-destructive things to try to get Baal to, to bring about rain or to bring about some, some sort of miraculous intervention. But the God of Israel turns upside down. The God of Israel is the providing God, providing for his friend Elijah and taking him to a place where he's being provided for and sometimes um, in a way that maybe he didn't expect. Now, this kind of theme of God providing and the sense of the birds, this is found throughout throughout Scripture, actually. Uh, we get in Noah, uh, we have this uh, picture of Noah releasing birds, including a raven, to try to see if there's any dry land, and God provides dry land and protects Noah and his family. And even puts a rainbow of promise over the world. Uh, when the people of, when the Hebrews were wandering in the wilderness with Moses and they were wanting food, God provided manna, this kind of bread and quail, uh, for them to, to eat and water gushed up out of the ground for them in the wilderness too. We've got these really interesting stories of God providing, but often in these really, um, mysterious and unexpected ways. You see, I think I sometimes think I should know how God should provide for me. I should have this much in my bank account or uh, this much paid on my credit card or uh, I should drive this kind of car. I, and I get preoccupied with these things. But guess what? These are the sorts of things that Ahab gets preoccupied about. Wondering if maybe if he just does enough for, for his God, that his God will bless him with something. It's this transaction. Well, in this scripture, we see that that's not how God works. God isn't transacting one-on-one, -on -one, as though we line up and sit down in front of a banker to get a good deal on our mortgage. No, God is one-on-one -on -one in a relationship of perfect care with his creation. And so God meets Elijah to reinforce to him the way that he relates to people. Not the way Baal and Ahab relate, which is destructive for them and the world around them, but the way that God and Elijah relate, with God protecting Elijah, giving him work to do, but providing a safe place for him. Maybe not comfortable, but safe. I, I find this really, really meaningful, because I really, more than anything else, I want to be in a safe place with God. I want to be in a relationship one-on-one -on -one with God. I want God to find me and hold me close. Not on my terms. No, what I want is a God who I know personally cares and loves me. And this is what Elijah found himself in. He found himself in a relationship with God who loves him. Well, the story unpacks from there and it gets really interesting. 
because the same care that God gives to Elijah, now Elijah is going to have to go out and he offers this to someone else. You see, uh, the story takes an interesting twist. And this is what often happens when God cares for somebody. The person God cares for is now invited to extend care themselves too. It goes like this. Sometime later, the brook dries up because there had been no rain in the land. You can imagine being Elijah in this moment. You're, you've been trusting God with the water and the ravens, and now your brook dries up. It doesn't say that Elijah freaked out, but I would have freaked out. I would have said, see, God, you don't care for me. Sometimes later, dried up. And the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Now, you have to understand, Zarephath, this is, this is not his home turf. This is the enemy's territory. This is where the Canaanites are. This is the heartland of where Baal worship takes place. Now he's being sent there. He just spoke against Baal and brought out a dryness over the whole land, a deep affront to this local god. And now God's saying, now go into this heartland. I'm going to take care of you. I directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her, would you bring me a little water in a jar that I might have a drink? Now you can imagine asking for water in the midst of a famine uh, where the land's all dry. What's going on here? And so as she was getting it, he called her, oh, and bring me a piece of bread. Here's a prophet of God who's asking for water and bread in a time when there is no water and bread. He just lives with this expectation that there is going to be this here. So this is what she says. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Here she is. She is getting ready for her death meal. She has no hope in a God that provides, in a God that loves her and knows her. If she's serving Baal in this, in this place of Zarephath, which is kind of where you worship, she has given up all hope. She doesn't have a God who provides her, who, who knows her, who cares for her in her story. She's, she's just working hand to mouth until she's done. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I love this. All the time Elijah has spent trusting God in this one-on-one -on -one relationship and his response is don't be afraid. I think this is our, our response to a world around us right now is don't be afraid. We can only say that because we worship uh, the God revealed in Jesus. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who does not bring about fear but brings about peace and all good. And Elijah knows this God and says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up, the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. What a powerful story. This is what happens. This God person, this prophet, steps in and 
He's provided for by God, by this brook and this raven. And now he turns his attention over and he is now providing for this woman and saying, don't be afraid. When you are in relationship with God, even if you do not yet know this God, this God is out for your good. Baal, not out for your good. You haven't transacted with him like, like Ahab has, then you are out. You're going to have a mouthful of dust. But... You trust and walk with God, and he is the one who provides for you. Even a little while later, just to show how powerful the God of Israel is, Baal, he says he is the God of fertility and life. But people are dying in this, in this land. Servants of Baal are dying. And so this woman's widow, or this, this widow's son, he falls ill and he dies. And guess what happened? God calls Elijah and raises even this boy from the dead. To point out from every corner that the God of Israel, he provides, he comforts, he is with you, he knows you personally, and he brings life where there is death. And this message spread. This is the grand story of First Kings, and it's the story of God. We are not left out. Our circumstances and the moments that we are confused and wondering which way is up. And maybe this pandemic has been that for you. You're wondering which way is up. Well, we walk in the way of Elijah. And we walk in the way of Jesus. We, we walk following and trusting in a God who says, don't be afraid. I got you. And I have your future in my hand. But it's not just your future that's important to me. It's the future of your whole community. It's the future of everybody around you. I don't just want to come and comfort you in your life, but I want to comfort everyone around you. And it's through you, as you discover my provision for your life, that you can begin to provide for others. This is the message of Paul to the Corinthians. And he starts out 2 Corinthians by saying this, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Isn't that good? Paul's reminding them of God's compassion and comfort. God's doing this over and over again. He's compassionate he's, and he's comforting you. He's comforting me. Who comforts all us in all our troubles. I love that. All your troubles. God is comforting Preston in his troubles. Our church, Lake Ridge Community Church, in our troubles. You and your troubles. And he's coming to you personally, one-on-one, -on -one, to say, I'm here to comfort you. The Holy Spirit's called the Great Comforter. But this is what Paul says next. Who comforts you in all your troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. We are comforted so that we can comfort others. I think in this season we are invited to be comforters. Those who see the way that God has met us, we can turn now to our friends, to our neighbors, to even somebody who doesn't believe the same things we do, to somebody who is very poor or somebody who is very much on the outside of society. Guess what? We are being given comfort so we can go and say, don't be afraid, be comforted too. We don't do this out of some strength of our own. Heaven knows that Elijah didn't have a lot going for him except he was a man who knew what his God was capable of doing. But we can step into the lives of others with great comfort and care. So I think a couple things that we can do to grow in this. 
I think that there's a few spiritual disciplines that the church has had for a long time that kind of help us first see the way that God is comforting us, and then turn around and offer comfort to, to others, to take God's provision and, and move it along. I think the first one in our own lives, uh, there's some spiritual disciplines like simplicity and fasting. Simplicity is just, in a way, having less stuff and focusing less on the stuff that we look to for our comfort. Uh, sometimes by stripping our lives of a bunch of the things that just make us busy bodies, uh, we can find that God is at the heart of holding us close to him. It's often a tradition or a story throughout church history is that those who have found Jesus have done so in a place where they uh, really got quite simple in a whole lot of areas of their lives. Another way of doing this is, uh, is a spiritual discipline called fasting. This is where you just don't eat for a time. It might be a few meals. It might be a few days. There's some different ways of, of, of doing it, but it's less about the specifics and more about the idea that by stopping eating food for a time, uh, that it reminds us of how much God is providing for us. Then, when we have this sense that God has indeed been caring for us all the way along, and he has great compassion for us, guess what we can do? We can turn around, and there's some other spiritual disciplines that are outward-focused. Uh, spiritual disciplines like hospitality. As things open up again, we can show hospitality to other people, create a space at our table, or have compassion on other people. It's a spiritual discipline to offer compassion because sometimes we don't think people deserve our compassion, can deserve our time and our energy. But as we offer compassion to other people, we begin to see the way that God has compassion on us. St. Francis of Assisi ended everything that he uh, preached or said. He said, peace and all good. I think that we can offer peace and all good to those around us when we have sensed the peace and all good of God for us. God has us in his care. He says, do not be afraid, Preston. Do not have your idea of how my provision is going to come to you. But live, live with simplicity. Live with trust. Live with the expectant knowledge that I am going to provide for you. And as you see my provision, Preston, I hope that you will begin to see the way that you can step into the lives of others and point them towards the provision of God too. Amen. Friends, I, this has been a hard sermon to preach. I think it's a hard sermon to preach because I wonder if God is, is God going to provide for us? Is God going to provide what Lake Ridge Community Church needs? Is God going to provide for the families that I know are hurting in our community? Is God going to provide in the big picture of all the big challenges that are happening in the world? I, I, I just, it's, it gives me some anxiety. I need a story of a guy like Elijah who, who spoke truth into a situation who said we need to trust God who is our provider and then went and then experienced exactly that and offered it to another. Friends, this is the God we serve. God who invites us in to life with him and to life abundantly. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as you go from here.